Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of underdog today i have an amazing guest here with me jay connor the icon the private money authority is here today how are you my friend pam i'm doing fantastic and i'm just like so excited that you've invited me to come on here to talk about my favorite subject private money I love it, Jay. You are an absolute rock star. So Jay and I are in the same mastermind and I met Jay and his energy just radiates across the room. Like he's just one of those people. And it was just such a gift to meet you, Jay. And I, I was so drawn to you and Carol and like both of you are just so incredible. I just can't wait to hear your story, honestly. Well, I appreciate that, Pam. I was actually running a Zoom with my uh, Platinum and Mastermind group while we were at Mastermind for just a little while. And I get a text on my phone and Carol Joy, my wife says, you have got to meet Pam. You've got to meet Pam. Carol Joy made sure you and I met. And boy, am I glad we did because you have for sure got it going on and everybody can just learn so much from you. Thank you so much, Jay. It's such an honor. Now, I was so drawn to you both and I just loved your energy. And I'm like, I want to learn all about Jay. Who is Jay? What is he up to in the world? And, you know, learning about you and meeting you. I was like, okay, all right, this is going to be super exciting, which is why I'm even more excited that we've got today rolling because now I get to know your story deeper, which is super exciting. And so, Jay, my favorite question, which is what I always lead with, what inspired you on your journey to where you are today, my friend? What inspired me on my journey was the most difficult and most challenging obstacle that I had ever run into in this world of real estate investing. I mean, private money, you know, as you and I have already visited offline, I just didn't wake up one morning and say, hey, I think I'll go raise a bunch of private money. Didn't work that way. So you know, isn't it true? Like, you know, you and I heard Robert Allen get the mastermind speak. He was amazing. And, you know, didn't he bring out that, you know, it's, it's down in those valleys of your life. It's down in those valleys of your business where growth has the opportunity to happen. Just because you're in the valley doesn't mean you're going to grow. But the valley, the challenges, the obstacles, the pain gives us the opportunity to grow. I remember it just like it was yesterday. I was sitting here at my desk. We actually still have landlines here in Eastern North Carolina, believe it or not. But from 2003, Pam, to 2009, I relied on local banks, mortgage companies to fund mine and Carol Joy's real estate deals. We started full-time in 2003, investing in single-family houses, rehabbing a lot of them, flipping. To date, we've rehabbed a little over 450 houses here in Eastern North Carolina. And so the first six years, I did all I knew to do when it came to funding my deals. And that was borrow money from the local bank. Well, my banker's name was Steve. The operative word in that sentence is was. So anyway, I call up my banker, Steve, here on this very phone in January of 2009, Pam, 
And I'd had this conversation many times, many, I mean, this similar type of conversation with Steve many times. I called him up after pleasantries. I said, hey, Steve, I got a house over in Newport. I got a house in Beaufort. I had two houses under contract. I had put earnest money down. Back in January 2009, I couldn't even get my earnest money back. It was like they are gone. And so I had these two houses under contract. And Pam, these two houses represented over $100,000 in profit after I would fix them up and sell them. And I told Steve where they were located, the after repair value, the funding I needed, and what I wanted to close. Well, Steve did something that's never a good sign, Pam. Steve went quiet on the other end of the phone and like said nothing. I'm going like, hello, Steve. Hello, are you there? Anyway, Steve finally cleared his throat. He says, Jay, you no longer have a line of credit at the bank. I said, what? What do you mean I no longer have a line of credit at the bank? And he says, well, the bank just isn't loaning money out to real estate investors anymore these days. And I said, well, what have I done? He said, Jay, you haven't done anything. You've always made your payments on time. You still got a great credit score. We've had a great relationship. But due to the global financial crisis, we're not loaning money out to real estate investors. I hung up the phone and I had a little conversation with myself. And I developed, Pam, this little mantra that I'll never forget. And the little mantra I began saying in my head is I said, Jay, it's impossible for you to fail unless you choose to quit. It's impossible for you to fail unless you choose to quit. And quitting wasn't an option for me. So I picked up the phone again. I called my buddy Jeff, who lived in Greensboro, North Carolina at the time. He was a real estate investor. I told Jeff what had just happened. I got no way to fund my deals. I said, Jeff, what are we going to do? Jeff told me about this phrase called private money and self-directed IRAs. I'd never heard of private money. I'd never heard of self-directed IRAs and how you can get funding from people using their retirement accounts. You can get funding from people using their investment capital. So I learned all about private money as fast as I could. And I put my program together. And you know what's funny, Pam? To this date, I've yet to ask anybody for money. I have not asked anybody for money. And I've got $8 million in private money that we use from house to house to house. And people say, Jay, have you got all that funding? I say, it's real simple. I put on my teacher hat and I teach people and I taught people what private money is, how they can get high rates of return safely and securely. And Pam, because of that difficulty and challenge of losing my line of credit, in less than 90 days, I was able to raise over $2 million in new funding and new private money that I did not have before. And so that blessing in disguise, Pam, was such a blessing because during that time, you know, 2008, 2009, all those bank-owned properties were coming on the market. Banks wouldn't lend you money. You know your banker would give you an umbrella when the sun is shining. Nobody was like lending money. But I had all this private money burning a hole in my pocket. Mine and Carol Joy's business tripled the first 12 months that we started using private money. So that's how we got started in this world of private money. I love that, Jay. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh my goodness. That sounds amazing. I mean, that's something that, you know, money's the number one topic of like what keeps people back from real estate investing and all of that. And we'll get into the whole private money conversation and all that good stuff. But I want to know, Jay, what did you want to be when you grew up as a kid? What was your dream? I wanted to be a stage magician. <laughs> that's amazing. 
wait, but listen, you, that's what you do now. You I know. I like work magic and, and help people work magic to make their real estate business work when they don't have any money. <laughs> that is literally, a bit, there you go. So you achieved your childhood dream. Oh man. Oh man. That's so. And you know what, Pam? I've been on probably a thousand podcasts. I may be exaggerating. Hundreds and hundreds of podcasts of a guest. Nobody yet until right now has asked me, what did you want to be when you grew up? And you know, I never put two and two together that I actually am living my dream. I am performing magic by helping other people do this thing. Oh my goodness. Well, here's a, we're going to reel it back a bit because I want to know about Jay, right? So, so you wanted to be a magician when you grew up. So tell me about your childhood growing up. What was that like? And like, who was your biggest inspiration during that time? And then walk me through your career a little bit. So let's get into that because I want to hear all about you, Jay. You're so awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Pam. Well, I grew up with a very, very strong influencer. And that was my granddaddy, my mother's dad. Raymond Simmons, his nickname was Buddy Boy Simmons. More people knew him as Buddy Boy than they did as Raymond. But anyway, my granddaddy was a very humble man, never heard him say a cuss word in his life, never saw him lose his temper in his life. He was a farmer and um, every weekend, I mean, they just lived three miles out in the country from where I grew up in town. Uh, of course, don't get wrong, my town had 2000 people, right? Well, 2,000 people now. It had 800 people when I was growing up. So you might as well say I grew up in the country. But anyway, my granddaddy and grandma out in the country. So every weekend, I was with them. You know, I was on the tractor, and I was working in the tobacco field, and I was, you know, helping with the hogs and all that kind of stuff. And so my granddaddy, when I would stay there on Friday nights, instilled in my brain, still to this day, I can see my granddaddy in the den by himself with his Bible open studying the Bible from 9 p.m. until 10 p.m. by himself. I had a very spiritual, if you will, influence in my life by the actions that my granddaddy took. So to this date, I mean, that's where I met Carol Joy. My first Sunday in Texas, when I moved to Texas, I met Carol Joy in church, right? We've been dating 37 years. We just happened to have been married 35 of those years. So, you know, spirituality, leading with a servant's heart. My granddaddy taught me it's not all about the money. He taught me that as long as you lead with a servant's heart and you have a good business plan, the money's going to come. Money in and of itself never fulfills. Money in and of itself is not satisfying. And so, you know, I've learned over the years that when you try to possess money, Money possesses you. Stop wanting what you're wanting. A synonym for want is lack. Stop lacking what you're lacking. If you want more love, give somebody up some love and you reap what you sow. You want more hope, give somebody hope. You got hope coming back to you. You want more confidence in what you're doing, give somebody else encouragement and confidence and confidence will come back to you. You want more money, Give somebody some money. And the law of reciprocity, it all comes back to you. So growing up, the spiritual aspect was very, very strong. On the other side of the coin, I was so blessed to have a father, Wallace Connor, who had the largest manufactured housing mobile slash mobile home dealership company in the nation. Wow. He had uh, 170 dealerships of 
selling mobile homes. They were called trailers back then. So I grew up being around affordable housing. So I, I grew up all the time helping people get a home. When I was 11 years old, I haven't had a summer off since I was 10 years old, and I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. My daddy put me on the telephone checking people's credit when I was 12 years old. I was calling them up, getting their verification of income, their employment, calling landlords because if they could get approved, then, you know, for financing, then they could get a mobile home, get, you know, get a home for their family. It's so funny. That was prior to Equifax and the TransUnion and Asperian. We had this little scorecard of 25 points. So if you lived at your current address for so many years, you got so many points. And if you uh, paid your landlord on time, you got so many points. And if you've been on your job, you, you got so many points. And we added up all them points. And if you got 25 points, you're approved for a home. How about that? So anyway, I grew up, you know, helping people get a home. And so, you know, went off to Wake Forest University and got a degree in business, also a double major pretty much in music. So I write and record piano music with my wife, Carol Joy. We write songs for the church. So um, I went off in the restaurant business for a couple of years. At one time, I wanted to own my own supper club and have the big band sound and 90 days into the restaurant business, I knew I don't want to do that. But hey, there's an important life lesson, Pam. Yes. My ego wouldn't let me quit. My ego would not let me quit because I was so concerned about what other people would think about me. I stayed there another year and uh, nine months because I didn't want to be thought badly of. Well, you know what I learned over the years, Pam? It ain't none of my business what anybody else thinks about me. Right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So anyway, so I was raised in the housing business. I did the mobile home business until 2003. And in 2003, the consumer financing for mobile homes by and large went away. I knew if I ever got out of mobile homes, I wanted to get into single family houses. And I've been in it ever since. Now, don't get me wrong. I've also done commercial developments. I got a shopping center that I developed from the ground up. And uh, that baby's free and clear, Pam. Talk about printing money. Get yourself a shopping center that's free and clear. That'll help you sleep at night. But anyway, we've done commercial, but my emphasis uh, for many years has been single family houses and funding them with private money. I love that, Jay. Your story is so incredible and inspiring, truly. I mean, what I love is you mentioned servant leadership and spirituality. This is a topic that's come up in my world a lot, right? Because Tony Robbins always says it, business is a spiritual game. So I love everything that you said about that spirituality because you were taught at a young age that money's not everything, right? We grow up, our system teaches us that, you know, it's all about go to school, then go to college, then go out and get a nine to five so that you can pay the money back that you paid for college, <laughs> you know, like all of these, right? So it's like the principle of our lives and our system, if you will, has always been to basically almost worship money, chase that money and all of that. And what you're saying is, no, it's a different, this is a totally different, it's a totally different thing. That's not going to fulfill you. And I 100% resonate with you on that because I remember getting to a certain level, like I was financially free by the time I was 26 years old. And I remember I was like at the top of the pinnacle for, it felt great for a couple of days. Then after that, it was like, okay, like what's next? Like, it's not, it is what it is. Right, Jay? 
Yeah, I have a dear friend. In fact, we worked together in the mobile home business. And I mean, we had 65 locations in three different states. We were doing well. We could, you know, buy anything we wanted to buy. And so my business partner at that time, I remember it just like yesterday, we were on our way to lunch. And this guy, he had it all, as most people would say. He had a beautiful wife on the inside and outside, beautiful daughter that was a teenager at the time. I mean, he had the boat, he had the jet skis, he had the airplane, all that stuff. And we're going down the road on the way to lunch. And he said, Jay, why do I feel so empty? And I said, because there's something much bigger than boats and jet skis and money. I mean, so, you know, I get it. Now, the mastermind that you and I are in, Pam, is different than a lot of masterminds. I mean, you know, pretty much everybody I know in the mastermind you and I are in lead with a servant's heart. Yes. But I've been in some other masterminds that it was all about the money, you know, and people didn't check their ego at the door. I stayed in that group one year. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't like sort of, you know, didn't sort of like, you know, resonate with me. I mean, you know, uh, there's something much bigger going on. 100%. You had mentioned that you were in the restaurant business, which is funny because I had two restaurants by the time I was 21. And I quickly realized that it was not for me, but I was stuck in it. I already had debt in it. There was nothing I could do. So I stayed with it. And much like you, my ego was like, I can't let people see me quit. This is not going to happen. So (laughs) I feel like that was probably one of those valleys for you. How did you navigate through that? experience as far as the uh the restaurant business yeah getting getting out of that yeah yeah well well there's a bigger story to that Pam you see it just wasn't the restaurant business Mm. it was my personal life I hadn't met Carol Joy yet and I was only 24 years old so I went straight from college to working for this restaurant chain and my idea was they're going to teach me the restaurant business and then I'm going to go out and do my own supper club And so I poured myself into the work. I was working over 80 hours a week and I had forgotten who God was. I left him behind. God never leaves me, but I left him and I wasn't going to church. And so, and I had no personal life. I had no friends of really any meaningful, no meaningful friends. And, you know, finally, I just got to the point I just woke up one day and I said, you know what? And I felt so empty. I felt so alone. I felt like I'm just out here alone on an island. The restaurant I worked at would have 300 people in a night. And, you know, you can be in the midst of 300 people and feel very, very lonely. And so, you know, I just came to my senses one day. I said, you know, there's got to be a better way. And so I gave my resignation. I moved back to my hometown. And I prayed to God. I said, please let me start over. Please let me start over. So how I navigated through that was by realizing that that's not my destiny, by realizing that's not my path. So I returned to my roots. I returned to my roots and my foundation that my granddaddy had instilled so much into me as to what's really very important. I returned to my roots of what my my dad had taught me so much about business, 
and customer service and, you know, really putting your customers first. So I returned to all that. And thank goodness, uh, my dad then brought me on at 24 years old, full-time working in his company and corporation. And uh, I moved out to Texas. Uh, his company, his mobile home company was expanding at that time. And that's how I met Carol Joy, right? My definition of coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous. Mm -hmm. So uh, I moved out there to Texas. My first Sunday in town, met Carol Joy. And uh, as I say, we've been dating for 37 years and married for 35. So how I navigated through that valley of the restaurant was being true to myself. You know, unfortunately, sometimes we lie to ourselves more than we lie to other people. And when we're true to ourselves, when we're like really, really truthful as to, okay, really, what should I be doing? What should my path be? I believe, Pam, that, and who knows, we were going to talk about this head stuff versus real estate up front, but it's really, that's where it starts. The most important real estate we got is six inches between our ears. That's the most important real estate we got. And until we get this straight, we can learn all there is to learn about real estate, but we're not going to be successful until we own this real estate. But you know, there's this thing called cognitive dissonance, cognitive dissonance. And I know you know what all that is about. That's a $5 psychiatry word that all it means is when you are doing something that is in contradiction to your core values, you're going to stress out. <laughs> yep, 100%. <laughs> so be true to yourself, follow your core values, follow what you know to be the right thing to do. And, and you know, I mean, when you boil it all down, Pam, I mean, shoot, I don't know what in the words you asked me, but you inspired me to talk. You know, what it, what it all boils down to is we all only want one thing. Really? Really? We all only want one thing. We just want to be happy. We just want to have joy. So if you want to be happy, you know, I read something last year, the end of last year, it says, if you want to be happier this year than you were last year, then just do more things that make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's that simple though. Jay, I love everything that you just mentioned because you touched on some really important and key things, right? Where like, you know, we're in an industry of real estate where a lot of people see us, we're successful, we make lots of money, we do all these things and we have fun. We're surrounded by the greatest people on earth and people look at us and they're like, how the hell did you get there? And then you, you ask yourself and you're just kind of like, well, it comes down to your alignment. So what you said was so important. The most important piece of real estate that you have is right here your own mind. If you can't master your mind, you can't master your life. I'll tell you, the book that changed my life, other than the Bible, of course, but the book that changed my life when I was 24 years old, when I woke up from the restaurant business and I said, you know, there's got to be a better way. No. That book was The University of Success by Og Mandino. Mm -hmm. University of Success by Og Mandino. And I started reading that book and I mean, it just turned me around and got me to thinking, right? And, you know, you said something a second ago, Pam, which was a really, really important question. You said, people ask you all the time, how in the world did you get to where you are? How did that happen? And, you know, one big answer I tell people, none of us got here where we are alone. None of us got here alone. I mean, we had a mentor, we had a coach. 
We surrounded ourselves with other people we want to be like. You know, one of my favorite phrases, uh, it's credited as coming from Jim Rohn. I'm not sure who it came from. And you've heard it a thousand times, Pam. We are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So be very careful who you're spending time with, right? But yeah, none of us got here alone. I mean, look at you and me, Pam. I mean, my lens. You became to where you could financially retire and sit on the sofa and eat Cheetos all day long if you wanted to when you were 26 years old. You know, you had that choice. But I mean, you know, all of us want a purpose in life. All of us want a reason. All of us want a reason to get up. But look at you and me, Pam. I mean, if I wanted to sit home all day long and eat Cheetos, I have that choice. I don't want to sit home all day long and eat Cheetos. In the mastermind that you and I were in, the room we were in, on my lands, we had the stars. We had Robert Allen. We had Ron LeGrand. And Robert Allen looked at Ron LeGrand and said, Ron, why in the world are you still teaching and on the road and doing all that traveling, you know, at the age you are? And Ron says, well, what in the world am I going to do? <laughs> you know, but what I was getting ready to say, Pam, I mean, you know, none of us get here alone. And, you know, look at you and me, you and me by choice have invested a lot of money by some people would say a lot of money and have joined the mastermind that you and I are in because we're always looking to learn more. We're always looking to have an opportunity and a venue to serve and to give to other people. And, you know, that's one thing I've noticed about very, very successful people. In fact, I noticed it about Robert Allen. My lands, his book, No Money Down, came out 42 years ago, and he's still teaching. But I noticed him at the mastermind last week taking copious notes all the time. And successful people are always hungry to learn. Yes. Amen, Jay. And you touched on some really important things. I mean, one of the most profound moments that I had was when Ron and Bob Allen were up on stage and I remember Ron looks at him and he says, Bob, when you came out and you talked about your bankruptcy as one of the top selling real estate individuals in the world, world renowned through his books and all that. And when you came out and said that, it inspired me to get through my bankruptcy. And that right there, I was floored because not only in these masterminds are you obviously investing in yourself and all of that, but you know, you talk about the hard things, right? You talk about your vulnerable moments. And I think that shows a lot of strength, Jay. Just like what you mentioned here today, you said, you know, I was lost. I was lost at one point, but I, but I found myself again. And here's how we do that, that we're not afraid to really talk about that and to let people know like, Hey, listen, yes, we're super successful, but there's also been some valleys, right? We've been through some hard times and we did not get through them alone. You know? So I think the importance is critical. Absolutely. And you know what? I am so grateful for those hardships. I'm so grateful for the valleys. You know, people say, well, why would you go back and change? I wouldn't change a thing. That doesn't mean I didn't make some big, big mistakes. That doesn't mean I didn't screw up big right. time. But I'm so grateful for everything I've experienced because if it had not been for all that junk that I brought on myself, I wouldn't be where I am today, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, be grateful for the challenges, be grateful for the obstacles, be grateful for the blessings, be grateful for all of it. Absolutely. And, and honestly, Jay, 
the biggest moment that came for you that got you where you are here today is because your banker told you, hey, I'm not loaning you any more money. You know what? If it had not been for that phone call of me being cut off from the bank, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation today. Exactly. And that's what I love about it is like, you know, a lot of the times people freak out when things don't go the right way, but you took that and you spun that into an opportunity and now you've become the private money authority. So a lot of people would look at you, Jay, and say, how the heck did you raise over $2 million that quickly. So what were some of the steps you took past that point, Jim? You know, after you got off that phone call, what are some things that you did that changed your trajectory? Yeah, I was able to raise a lot of money, number one, because of my mindset and and the framework in which I went about to do it. I knew I was not going to go out asking people for money. I knew that I was not going to chase people for money. I knew I wasn't going to beg people for money. I knew I wasn't going to try to sell people into any kind of program. I knew that I was never going to pitch a deal. You hear it all the time. You hear it all the time. Oh, I pitched this deal to my private lender or pitched this deal to my private. I've never pitched a deal in my life. (laughs) So really, and so here's how. Here's how the law of attraction worked in my life as relates to private money. Step number one, again, framework, mindset. What was my mindset? I became a teacher. Even when I started meeting people or I'd be at social events, I changed from being a real estate investor, which I'd already been for six years, and I still was. I still was a real estate investor. But when people would ask me, Jay, what do you do? I didn't say I'm a real estate investor. I mean, that like does nobody any good, right? But wouldn't it be cool to answer the question, what do you do, with an answer that arouses curiosity, leads to a conversation, and might bring you some private money? So when people ask me what I do, I started answering it this way. I teach people and private lenders how to make a lot of money. Now, when I answer the question that way, I teach private lenders how to make a lot of money, they don't have a clue what I said, which is the point, (laughs) right? That's the point. To start a conversation. Well, now they heard make a lot of money. Oh, oh boy. They heard make <laughs> a lot of money, right? And they heard teach. I'm a teacher. They don't know what that private money thing is. So that answer allows an opportunity if they ask. Now you'll get all kinds of weird looks, but if they ask, what's that about? So I would start talking about private money. So the second thing I did, besides knowing I'm not going to chase any money. Bear in mind, I still got these two deals under contract, over $100,000 in profit. And Steve had cut me off and no way to fund them, right? So I knew I wasn't going to chase. So I knew I had to put my private lending program together. My private lending program. What in the world is my private lending program? Well, I put together, all right, what interest rate am I going to pay people? How am I going to protect them? Am I going to borrow unsecured money or am I going to collateralize their note with the real estate that I'm buying? And that's what I decided to do. Yes, I'm going to collateralize notes when I borrow money. I'm going to keep it very conservative. I'm not going to borrow a very, very high loan to value. So I'm going to protect my private lenders and not put them in that kind of a risk. I'm going to give them a way that they can get their money back early with no penalty in case they have some kind of emergency come up. And I put together how long the note's going to be, how long 
I decided what my minimum amount was going to be that I would accept because I knew that would be the, one of the first questions that they asked. So I put my private lending program together as to what I would teach people about. And so that's what I did. I put five steps together for what we call the warm market. There's three categories or three places where you find private money. First of all, are is your warm market, people that you've got some kind of influence with, some you know, people in your cell phone, your email list, whatever. So there's your warm market, and there's five steps I put together for that, that I started raising private money. The second category is existing private lenders, individuals, private lenders. By the way, we're not talking hard money, folks. We are not talking hard money. We're talking doing business with individuals, human beings, just like you and me, that loans us money from either their investment capital or and or their retirement account or retirement funds. So I studied how do you find existing private lenders? How do you find individuals that are already loaning money out to people, uh, to real estate investors, right? And then the third category is what we call your expanded warm market. Some of my students will say, Jay, I can't go to my warm market because my warm market is broke. My people ain't got no money. Well, first of all, I don't believe them. But anyway, I teach everybody, you should expand your network and your, and your influence and your center of influence. So let's start with the warm market. How in the world did I raise $2,150,000? Again, the mindset, I'm not chasing. Number two, I got my program put together. Now, the five steps. Step number one, I made my list. Who in my warm market might be interested in earning high rates of return safely and securely? So I made my list. I put at the first of my list, people that I know that are retired. People that are retired might have retirement funds, right? I also learned about self-directed IRAs and I aligned myself and established a relationship with a very established self-directed IRA company. And the reason that's so important is Carol, Joy, and I right now have 44 private lenders that are funding deals for us. Over half of them are using their retirement funds to fund our deals. So when I talk with somebody that's got retirement funds and they're interested in my private lending program, oh, my lands, I should have a, rela a relationship with a self-directed IRA company that I can refer them to. So step number one, I made my list. Step number two, I had a casual conversation with the people on my list. That's a pre-qualifying conversation. Again, there's no selling or chasing. The gist of that conversation, Pam, let's say you're a friend of mine, which you are, but let's say you and I've known each other for quite a while and I might call you up and I say, hey, Pam, how you doing? How are the kids? Chit, chat, chit, chat, chit, chat. Then I get right into it. And then I say, Pam, you know, as you may know, I'm investing in real estate these days and I'm positioning my company to take advantage of the tidal wave of bank-owned properties that are about ready to hit the market because of COVID. You know, we've been shut down. And bank-owned properties are coming right around the corner. So I'm now opening up my business to people that I know and trust. And I got a program that's paying insane high rates of return, Pam. But this is a program that may or may not be for you, quite frankly. In fact, Pam, unless you answer yes to the following question, there's no need for me to give you any more information about my program. And that question is, do you have investment capital or retirement funds not giving you a high rate of return safely and securely? Notice I didn't ask you for money. 
I ask you, do you have investment capital or retirement funds not giving you a higher rate of return safely and securely? Now, if you say no, I know you're broke because the average certificate of deposit in the local bank's only paying 0.17%. But if you say, yes, I do have retirement funds or I do have investment capital, that's not giving a higher rate of return safely and securely, then that goes to step three. And then that's when I text you or email you my 16-minute audio called Stress-Free Investing. And this 16-minute audio I have personalized for over 1,000 real estate investors across the nation. This 16-minute audio is a very powerful tool that we use to introduce people to what this world of private money is about. It doesn't teach the program. It just gets their greed glands swelling up in their neck. So they can't wait to hear how the program goes. That leads to step number four, which is the one-on-one -on -one meeting or where you spill the beans, where we actually teach with our teacher hat on the private lending program, right? And step number five is a verbal pledge. They tell you how much money they got to work with. Is it investment capital? Is it retirement funds? And how much they got to work with? And then we go get a deal for them to fund. Now, notice... When I visited with that person, either over the phone or in person or on Zoom, right? Don't you wish you had bought some Zoom stock a year ago or two years ago? So I'm visiting with them on Zoom. And look, notice I did not pitch a deal and offer my private lending program in the initial conversation. I already sound like I'm begging, right? Wow. So I teach the program. Then I bring a deal back in two or three days. And I don't pitch that deal. You know what, Pam? I only tell them four things about, about the deal when I got a deal for them to fund. And here it is. Pam, have I got great news for you? Pam says, what's that, Jay? I can now put your money to work for you. You see, you've already told me how much money you got to put to work as my private lender. I got great news for you. What's that, Jay? I can now put your money to work for you. I got a house in Newport. The after repaired value is $200,000. The funding required for the deal is only $150,000. Closing is next Thursday. So I need you to wire your funds to my closing attorney next Thursday. End of conversation. I didn't ask them if they wanted to do the deal. That's the most stupid question I could ever ask. Of course they want, of course they want to do the deal. They've been waiting for me to bring them a deal because they've told me they got this much money that they're like, you know, waiting to put to use, right? So that in a nutshell is what we call the direct method. The indirect method in a nutshell is we just ask people for help to spread the word. You know, I got people telling me all the time, Pam, Jay, I'm not comfortable with that direct question. I'm not comfortable asking people. Do you have investment capital or retirement funds not giving you a higher rate of return safely and securely? Because in my head or their head, they're thinking that that person is thinking, well, that's none of your business as if I've got investment capital or retirement funds. So I get it. So we also use what's called the indirect method. I remember it like it was yesterday. So I came home. I mean, you know, I got those two deals under contract. My bankers cut me off. Pam, I go to church on a Wednesday night to Bible study, and I see this fella in the foyer. His name is Wayne. I walk up to him, and I said, what? this is the indirect method. I said, Wayne, I got something I want to talk to you about confidentially after Bible study. Have you got a few minutes? Wayne says, sure, Brother Jay. So we have Bible study. We have two. Uh, we have announcements, two opening songs, the opening prayer, Bible study, invitation, closing prayer, and the amen. 
Now, at the amen, I look over at the other side of the church building, and here comes Wayne doing like a little trot to the back of the auditorium over here to me. And he comes up to me and he says, Brother Jay, what you got in mind? You see, I understood right then, Wayne ain't been listening much to the Bible study the past hour. He's been thinking about what I got so confidential to talk to him about, right? So we come down to the nursery and we shut the door. And here's the summary of that conversation. This is the indirect method. I said, Wayne, you know everybody in this town. And he did. He was the Zenith television dealer in Moorhead City, North Carolina. Now, that dates me right there because that's before Walmart came to town, right? But Wayne had put televisions in everybody's home. He put a television in every hospital room in Carteret County General Hospital. He was involved in the Rotary Club. And I told him, I said, Wayne, you know everybody in this town, and I need your help. Listen, folks, that's a writer downer right there, the phrase. I need your help. Wayne says, what you need my help with? I said, well, Wayne, as you know, I've been investing in real estate for a while, and I'm now opening up my real estate investing business to people I know and trust. I got a program that's paying insane high rates of return. It's by referral only, and I need your help. When you run across somebody that's complaining about low rates and CDs and the volatility of the stock market, would you refer them to me so I can tell them about my private lending program? What do you think Wayne said? Wayne said, well, what you got in mind there, Brother Jay? I said, well, Wayne, are you saying you and your wife might be interested? He said, well, we might be. I don't know. We might be. Tell me what you got. And I said, uh, he said, what kind of interest rate do you pay? I said, well, you know, it depends on the deal. What sounds high to you? He says, well, we're only getting like 3% in a CD. Now, in 2009, you could actually get 3% in a certificate of deposit. Today, it's 0.17%, right? But anyway, 3%. He said, I guess five or six percent is high. I said, Wayne, I can't pay you five or six percent, but I can pay you eight percent. He said, put me down for $250,000. So that's the summary of a 20-minute conversation. But just by asking somebody for help to spread the word is naturally going to attract them if they have an interest and if they have investment capital. And not only was Wayne one of my very, very first private lenders, by the way, Wayne funded both of those deals that I had under contract that my banker had cut me off from, right? And Wayne over the years referred a lot of other private lenders to me as well. So there's the answer to your question. In summary, how'd you raise all that money so fast in 90 days? I became a teacher. I absolutely love that, Jay. And I love that you created value in such a beautiful way, right? So some people feel like really salesy and gross and icky when they're talking about, you know, raising capital and all these things, but really you framed it as like a solution to somebody's life. You know, here's a problem and I have the solution. I'm here to teach you that. And I love the way that you reframed that. And that's what brought you the success, which is absolutely, absolutely amazing. And I know there's probably people listening right now that are like, what's the difference between private money and hard money, right? Because I feel like a lot of people get them confused, especially in the real estate space. So what would be your recommendation, Jay? What's yeah, so the difference between hard money and private money, most of the time, hard money is a broker. Most of the time, hard money is a broker of money. It's a company or a couple of individuals that have gone out and raised money from private lenders, from the private people that we're talking about, that we actually do business with, to invest into a fund, 
That's called syndication. So those private lenders invest in funds. So your hard money lender comes along and now the hard money lender, a broker of money, loans money out to real estate investors. They make a lot of their money by charging origination fees. In this world of private money, there's never any origination fees or points, right? They make the rules, just like the bank. They determine how often you're gonna make the payments. In this world of private money, we make the rules. We set the interest rate. We set the frequency of payments. We structure deals, pay them to where we don't even make any monthly payments until we sell the property and cash out. You think that'll help the cash flow? My favorite reason for using private money is I always bring home a big check when I buy and I never bring any of my own money to the closing table. I mean, does it get any more beautiful than that? I mean, who wants to get paid to buy properties, right? I buy a property. Now, this isn't going to work unless you're buying at a discount, right? You got to be buying at a discount uh, on those properties, right? So we buy at a discount. I always borrow more money than I need to buy the property. So that's how we're bringing home a check. That's an overage. That's excess cash to close. If I'm rehabbing, I bring home all my rehab money when I buy it. Now, let's be very, very careful and, and understand this uh, for your audience, Pam. And that is another way that hard money and private money do not equate is this. First of all, interest rates are very, very different. We set the interest rate. But let's be clear on this. We use private money when, when the seller, and I don't care if the seller is an off-market seller, a FISBO for sale by owner, it don't matter who the seller is, a bank-owned property, when the seller requires all the cash, we use private money yep, to buy the yep. property. Now, you got what's called the ugly house business. That's when you're going to rehab. We'll use all cash for that. Then we've got what's called the pretty house business. People that will buy on terms. People, you know, real estate investors will buy with creative financing, seller financing, buying subject to the existing note. Well, guess what? In my experience, and I've reviewed thousands and thousands of property lead sheets, in my experience, only 13% of off-market for sale by owners will sell with creative finance. In other words, don't require all the cash. What do the other 87% require? All the money. Mm -hmm. So we use private money for that. So whether it's a pretty house that doesn't need much rehab at all, or it's an ugly house, or guess what? Pam, I'm sure some of your audience is also interested in commercial deals, small apartments, duplexes, quadplexes. Listen, folks, it's all the same money. Yeah. It's all the same money. We just structure the deal a little bit differently on those commercial deals. Another reason I love private money is there's, number one, it's the quickest way to your first real estate investing deal. Why? Because you got the money, <laughs> right? I mean, you're on the phone negotiating with all these people and you got $500,000 burning a hole in your pocket, right? So it's the quickest way. Secondly, there's no hurry to pay it back. You see, with hard money, your length of the note is typically only six months, nine months or a year. With private money, we borrow two years to five years. There's no hurry to pay back. Another big reason I love private money is there's no limit to the number of private lenders that I can be borrowing from simultaneously. I got 44. Why is that important? Well, guess what? When I was borrowing money from the banks, there was a limit 
to the amount of money I could borrow. There was a limit to the number of deals I could do. And also in this world of private money, I can close quickly. I can close deals in seven days, Pam, seven days, sometimes three days. I could never close that fast with traditional or institutional money. My lens, Pam, I'm surprised anything ever closes from a traditional bank. It's like, do you want my W-2 for the fourth time? What did you do with the first three W-2s that I sent you, right? I mean, come on, give me a break. And so it just, you know, private money just puts you so much more in control of your business. There's no limit to the number of deals you can do. You set the rules. I mean, it just puts you in control. I mean, your credit scores got nothing to do with private money. I got a phone call yesterday from a hard money lender calling me up wanting to know if I got any deals that I want to fund. And I said, I always got deals that I want to fund. He says, well, how are you going to fund them? I said, with my private lenders. But I wanted to know a little bit about his program. Well, if I was going to do business with that private, that hard money lender, I was going to have to show him my tax returns. Well, private lenders never ask you for your tax returns. Private lenders never want to know what your credit score is. You don't even have to have a job. Private lenders never even ask for verification of income. Why? Because private money is a collateral loan deal. My lands, Pam, I, I'm going to preaching now. I'm going to preaching. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it, Jay. I mean, you mentioned some really amazing things that people should know, especially in the private lending model. I mean, this is the biggest question in real estate is money, right? And the funds. And so I love all of that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jay. And, you know, one of my favorite questions, and this is the question that I always, always love that I always ask, which is what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? It could be business, it could be personal, it could be whatever you want it to be. Well, that's an easy question with an easy answer because I've been asked that before. <laughs> love it, I love I'm, it. I'm prepared. What would I tell my younger self? I would tell my younger self, do not start being a real estate investor by yourself. That's what I did. That's what I did my first six years all I did was read books and I relied on my past experience in the mobile home manufactured housing business. Mm -hmm. I do not recommend starting the business. I made huge mistakes. One of the biggest mistakes I made my second year as a real estate investor without getting good education from a good coach or mentor is I bought this condo on the beach with my intention of flipping it. The market turned down and guess what? The amount that I could rent it out for did not cover my carrying cost of the underlying debt and taxes and HOA. It was a bloodbath. And if I'd started out in this business, like talking to my younger self, if I started out in this business working with somebody that was already successful in real estate investing, then I wouldn't have made that mistake. They would have told me, Jay, you can't do that deal. And the reason you should not do that deal is because you should always calculate if I can't flip it, if I can't sell it and I got to rent it out, will the monthly rent cash flow positively and cover the underlying debt? That's just one big mistake I made by not starting to work with somebody. So don't go at this business when you're starting out 
alone. Yes. Amen. Oh, I love it. I love it, Jay. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I mean, it takes a few deals for us to learn our lessons, correct? In the space, you know, as we're getting into, we're new to the game. There's things that we don't know, right? Is planning that exit strategy is really critical, right? Like what happens if you don't get what you want to do or the market turns or something happens or, you know, can you rent it out? So I love that. I love that so much. And so Jay, what's up in your world in the next like six to 12 months? What's happening? Yeah. So I am on a quest. I'm on, I got a passion right now. I know how to do all this stuff. I know how to use private money. And I'm so passionate about it, Pam, that I know that there are tons of people out there, thousands of people out there that want to start in real estate investing, or they are already a real estate investor and they're just struggling getting more funding for their deals without having to pay stupid rates like 12% and you know, three points and four points and all that kind of stuff to some of the hard money lenders. So I am on a passion. I'm on a, I'm on a quest to make a difference. I just really enjoy helping people, real estate investors, get rid of this problem. And I've got the solution. And here's the solution. I just finished writing my brand new money guide. And my money guide is called Seven Reasons why private money will skyrocket your real estate business and help you build incredible wealth. It's a PDF, absolutely free. It's chock block of information on helping anybody, whether they are a new real estate investor or a seasoned real estate investor, get on the fast track to private money and getting in control of your business. You can download it right after the show by simply going to www.jayconner, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R. I'm an E-R, not an O-R. So www.jayconner, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash money guide, forward slash money guide, jayconner.com forward slash money guide, downloaded, it's free. It'll get you on the fast track to private money right now, never missing out on a deal because you didn't have the money. Amen. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm just, I'm excited for your trajectory, Jay. Like you are such a rock star and you're helping so many people in the world. And I just absolutely adore who you are and all that you're about and all that you teach. So now you've got to let everyone know where to find you and your awesomeness. Thank you so much, Pam. What a pleasure being with you and Carol Joy and I look so much to being around you a lot more uh, in the mastermind that we're now in together. Absolutely, Jay. And what's the best way for everyone to reach you, my friend? Absolutely. So just go to jayconner.com. Our office number is on there. You know, we actually answer the phone. Can you <laughs> believe? Like, I have an amazing team here. I mean, your audience their success is so important to me. I mean, I believe this, Pam. I believe that we attract into our world people that are like us. And since I know you and I love you, I know the kind of people that you attract into your world and the kind of audience you've got listening to you. I just really want to connect with them, with them, you know, downloading the money guide and uh, at jayconner.com. If there's any questions, if there's any support that we can offer here, uh, from either myself or my team, pick up the phone, give us a call. Jay, thank you so much for being here today. I 
absolutely adored your story. I love you and Carol Joy. You guys are amazing, amazing, amazing individuals. And what you're doing for the world is incredible. So thank you so, so much, Jay. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is over time, working like some underdogs. underdogs, underdogs.